Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Billy, is that you? Yeah, Mom, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him... You're gonna like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're gonna have to open it now. We'll wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift he ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change. They become clever. Mischievous. What's going on here? And dangerous. Gremlins, huh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. They've been here too. Billy, what are these things? Where did they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy, I know. But in a few hours, you're gonna have a major disaster on your hands. Directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you. We've recorded this. We've recorded this opening 17 times, and we keep messing, messing with each other each time we uh, try to do it. So sorry. So but, sorry. <laughs> welcome I back. I won't talk anymore. <laughs> yeah, don't. Welcome back to Reconsidimation. I am John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And uh, it's it it's here. Christmas is here. Hanukkah is here. It's the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Our favorite time of year. Uh, I'm yes. I'm super excited. It's right. It's uh, two days away. Christmas. Can you believe You're it? You're psyched. Yeah, I can. It happens every year. It's it's on the calendar. Wait a minute. You Wait. Can... It it does. <laughs> it's annual, baby. <laughs> Christmas is annual. <laughs> what are we? Uh, what's going on for Christmas? What's happening at uh, Recon Cinema Studios? Well, you know, we we go all out like like all the lots do. Uh, lots of wreaths, garland, trees lights we have animatronic reindeer everywhere like those you know those boston mit robot dogs that, oh yeah like people kick over in the internet videos yes well we bought a, a hundred of them and we dress them up as reindeer and mm-hmm. they run around people kick them all the time and they don't fall over it's fucking cool uh you know uh, there's christmas music playing everywhere oh yeah some hanukkah yeah. songs uh, Hanukkah songs here and there. Yeah, some Kwanzaa music. I I think. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, it's every. It's all seasons, all holidays. I have music pumping, different uh, songs playing in every uh, every office in our building. 
So whatever every room you go into, office. every single office, it's got a different so- Christmas uh, or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa song playing. So uh, that's how that's I roll. Pretty amazing. That's how I do it. The fact that you bought um, a cell phone for each office mm-hmm. and a Bluetooth speaker for each office and an individual premium Spotify account for each device just to pull that off is uh, amazing testament to your devotion to the holidays. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, as a backup, I've got an audio cassette play, you know, player and uh, a mixtape, you know, ready to go. Ready to go in case the, the, the internet goes down. You uh-huh. can just hit play on yep. each boom box that you've installed. I've got the boom office. boxes, the Magnavox boom boxes. And, the uh, Magnavox. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some old Sony VHS players ready on hand every day. So, yeah, we are nothing but devoted to this holiday season uh, to say nothing of the new year. Um, That's a whole different bag. Whole different thing. I mean, on December 26th, we are changing everything on the lot to to get ready for the new year. Yeah. The Christmas 2020 is coming. The Christmas flags come down. You know, they come down mm-hmm. after uh, after Christmas. What are you going to do? You, you yeah. get ready for the new the New Year's flags go up. New Year's flags go up. This is what you do. Yeah. This is if you're a patriot and a, a, <laughs> a follower of time, mm-hmm. you follow the protocol. You know? Yeah. You're not going to break any laws. Uh, this is what we do here. So, I mean, listen, I'm so glad we're here. This is will be our final show of 2019. Yeah. The 20. The twenty teens. So this is technically um, the the final show of the decade for us, right? I guess so, because you start the decade on the zero, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah, because yes, that makes sense. Because yeah. like, if you were born, you're zero years old in a couple of days until you turn ten. Look, and then I'm not a, a decade. I'm not a mathematician here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you on this one. No, it's yeah. That's what happens. You're zero years old when you're born. <laughs> if you say you're so. a fraction of a year, you're a fraction <laughs> of a year old until you're a full year. It's insane. Yeah. Who? I didn't know fractions could go so high. So what are we going to be doing here? It's the end of the year. I, I, I listen. I'm ready to talk about every movie there is. Yeah. So well, if you have you an know, idea, I'm prepared. Oh, oh, we got a special one today. I'm sure. Everyone knows what we're going to talk about. Before we get into it, though, I want to just uh, remind everybody, we still have the Recon Cinema Christmas Tournament ongoing on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And and uh, we've got, you know, as of this recording, we are in the uh, Sweet 16, rolling right into the Elite Eight. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, still chugging along. A Muppet Christmas Carol, Christmas Story, Home Alone. Uh, those are all still going on into the uh, Elite Eight round, but uh, others still in contention. Scrooge, Christmas Vacation, Mickey's Christmas Carol, Elf, Die Hard, Charlie Brown, uh, the original Christmas Carol, well, the 1951 one, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, still still in it. Everything else, if you didn't hear its name, that means it's out. And David's did been doing s- a lot of crying about this lately. Wait, did, is it... Did you say it's a wonderful life or no? Is yeah, I did. Out? Yeah, that was yeah, that's still in <laughs> it may, advanced to the, the elite eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm like, if that's out already, I'm done. <laughs> the big the big surprise there was a few surprises here. Um, Edward Scissorhands making it as far as it did surprised me. I mean, it took out 
one of the number one seeds, Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah, the original from back yeah. in the the day. Yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. I think it, it resonates more with a lot of Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram users. Uh, totally, Edward yeah. Scissorhands does, but yeah, um, it it is a classic, and you know sometimes these things happen. <clears throat> who do you? Uh, the, who, the, who's the tribe has spoken? What's your pick? Who do you got uh, winning the tournament? Oh, I can't say. Yeah. All right. Keep it private. I always keep it keep it close. Yeah. Keep it. Keep, I know what's gonna win. Keep it close to the vest. I will say that your pick is still in it. So is mine. So that's we're both counts. in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's uh, but cool. yeah, so check it out. Follow us on uh, our social media accounts, and uh, every day we've got a uh, at least one or two matchups going on, and uh, it's a good time had by all. But that's also fun. that's not why we're here today. Today we're going to talk about. You know, last year we had a big debate about whether a certain movie was a Christmas movie or not. Do you remember yeah. that discussion and that episode? Yeah, uh, yeah, and that debate is closed. <laughs> it's over. We right. know the truth. But yeah, Di- hashtag we Die Hard it. is a Christmas movie. Hashtag Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> so we debated that uh, that movie last year, and you know, a lot of people still think that today's subject, which is 1984's Gremlins is a debatable mm. Christmas movie as well. What do you think? Christmas or no? I mean, upon watching it again, it's really not a Christmas movie. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you music. again. It's got Christmas music. It's got Christmas trees. It has some gift giving. I will give you that. There are the, There is a spirit of Christmas vibe, but man, it really skirts. The, it, this skirts the line more than... Die Hard does. Die Hard's a cl- like if you were to compare the two, which one is more a Christmas movie? Sure, Gremlins wins that. But I don't know, man. Like this is a tough one. Like it, it's it has some Christmas. It's got some Christmas magic. It's got some spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. Is it really a Christmas movie? Uh... <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm I'm still gonna go with yes. It's got so many layers of christmas i mean it's all in the movie throughout they never like let go of reminding you that it's christmas uh ultimately it's about you know it is about his family trying to stay together at christmas time um (laughs) (laughs) we got a little we stray a little bit left well, his dad went to an invention an invention convention he's he's working invention convention at christmas eve We'll talk about some of the weird, convenient, um, yeah, <laughs> like contrivances. Uh, the fact that he's away at an—I—I I, I know it's like an inventors or science convention, but uh, invention connect convention is probably like the best way to put it, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. That's that's what it is. <laughs> that's the name of it. The nineteen eighty four invention convention. Invention convention. <laughs> uh, featuring guest um, special guest Rand Peltzer. Rand Pel- Randall Peltzer. Yeah. Ran- or Randy. Mm. But he goes by Rand. Rand. Yeah, he's a Rand. Look at him. He's a Rand. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Anyway, yes. So you're saying that you're saying definitely has that, that Christmas oomph to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To me, uh, yes. This is one of the, uh, this is top 10 Christmas movie. <laughs> so, and then if I, so which one is more of a Christmas movie? Die Hard Di- Die or Hard. Gremlins? Die Hard. 
Fuck off. <laughs> if you use that language again, I'm just going to cut this recording right now. Call security. <laughs> Don't cut my mic. Don't you cut my mic. Don't you cut my mic. No, come on. No. Which one's more of a Christmas movie? Die Hard. Because Die Hard You're is... You're just saying that because you like Die Hard more. That Die is Hard bullshit. Is a, Die Hard's a straight up family trying you to reunite to spend Christmas together. You are kidding me. No. You're unbelievable. You're unbelievable. <laughs> You're lying. Believe you what you want. You know Gremlins is... M- oh, my God. <laughs> Believe what you want. Let's take it to social media. Who thinks Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Sound off. No. Which the one? Phone, no. Look, my look, question look was... At the, look at my the My question phone. was, what is more of a Christmas movie? Gremlins or Die Hard? And you contend, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that it's Die Hard. You're insane. I'm not alone on that. Look at the phone lines. They're lit up. They're lit up ready to tell us that Gremlins is more of a Christmas movie, which, again, is is a, is a hard argument here. My but my Come on. My assistant, Quintessa, is answering the calls and says they're all supporting the Die Hard, uh, the die oh hard theory. So. Uh, but, yeah, but Gremlins, what was uh, – yeah. do you remember the first time you saw it? No, there's no way I remember the first time, but I remember seeing it a lot as a kid, for sure. Uh, rented, know, cable, like uh, rent, yeah, rented or rented, K or TV. Uh, rented on cable, maybe an HBO. I don't know. I was probably too young to be watching it in the first place, but mm-hmm. uh, no, I remember talking to one of my babysitters who would be like a teen girl, probably not barely legal. Um, and she would, and she, I would have these gremlin books that were coloring books yes. and I would, I would like color them, uh, and show her. And like my brother was older than me, but also a kid who had to be babysat and he would be a better colorer and in the lines better. And, uh, uh, and I remember saying like pointing to a, a cartoon drawing of a gremlin and I'm like, I think I look like this. <laughs> I'm like, she's like, what you look like, you think you look like this? I'm like, yeah. And like, so I, I, I didn't want to say so anything. Out of my head. I didn't want to say anything. I had, David. I had no idea. I looked like a gremlin. Like, <laughs> it's insane. Uh, until I was, uh, uh, until I saw myself on screen basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I, I have very early memories of it, but I, I couldn't be like, yes, I was at home on a Tuesday. My parents sat me down. They told me, son, this is a transformative movie that will change your life. Please enjoy Joe Dante's Gremlins. That didn't happen. Yeah. How about I, you? I I remember pretty vividly the first time I saw it. Although right before I saw the movie, wow. I remember. Okay, so Lil John, when uh, he was like four and five, uh, his parents used to tape uh, things on Betamax, and I had a whole bunch of wrestling and like gi joe episodes um they would you know sometimes tape either saturday morning stuff for me or like weekday afternoon cartoons and yeah one in one of the commercial breaks was a psa a don't do drugs psa uh starring key luke you know as his character from gremlins and he was explaining you know the dangers of doing drugs and they kept cutting to the end of the movie where, where Stripe is like, you know, pops out of the fountain and then is like melting, you know? Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> so it was very effective because it stuck with me. And um, so, huh. the, yeah, I remember that PSA very well. And uh, right around the same time, I saw the movie with uh, at my friend, uh, my friend Damien's house. And I, I yeah, must have been a weekend that I was over there. And we, you know, just plopped down and watched the movie. And it was I was very affected. Um, I was creeped out by Gremlins as a kid. It was. Um, oh, yeah. It impacted me as a horror movie for sure. Especially. And, yeah, but you sure. know what? Like, it wasn't necessarily the Gremlins, but you know what creeped me out the most was like the opening, um, the opening scene, because it's in like a little bit slow motion. And his voice, um, you know, Hoyt Axton's voice is very, is deep and a little bit ominous. Um, the music's a little sure. dark. Uh, the setup was just a little that 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 opening is what really creeped me out more than anything else. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's it's it sets a tone for sure. It's, yeah, and Chinatown then, uh, is scary at night. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I remember. Yeah, I had coloring books. There was so much marketing for this movie. Um, I also yeah. had the the listen and. Uh, God, what were those book? Those little books called? It was like uh, there were little records, like little forty fives, and it was like a yeah, like a read and listen, read along, read along. Yeah, yeah, like you would it would chime and you turn the page, and I had yep. a whole bunch of those, and Gremlins was one of them. I had a Three Stooges one where they go back and back to King Arthur times. I think, <laughs> of course, like they like I you mean, do, you know, but like they do, like the Stooges do, but. Uh, yeah, I might have. I might have even had a Gremlins one. I had a bunch of those too, but I can't recall. Uh, yeah, it, Gremlins was everywhere. Definitely. I mean, I didn't have any of. The, I didn't have like a Gizmo doll or anything like that, like a plush or. But I know that was a thing. You know, like they definitely could market. You know, before Furby, here was here was Gizmo. Here's yeah, I mean, the, and and the the marketing was everywhere, and and. <laughs> I had a bunch of friends, all of which, the, all of whose dogs were all named Gizmo. So huh. there was a lot of that of going around. I don't think children under the age of, I say, ten should name pets. <laughs> I think, in I general, a bad like, idea. Yeah. Generally speaking, they they shouldn't have like they can have a vote <laughs> or a suggestion, but honestly, leave it to the older kids or yeah. the adults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's bad idea, jeans. <laughs> bad, that is bad idea, jeans. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Well, let's let's get into it. So, David, where did this movie come from? Who made it? How did how did we get here? How did it get on the celluloid? What what happened? What do you know? Ooh, uh, I know Chris Columbus like kind of wrote it as a spec, and Spielberg uh, loved it. So. Uh, that was a thing that happened. I think Chris Columbus was getting his feet wet as a screenwriter yeah. uh, at the time. And uh, Spielberg thought it was innovative and, and, and you know, original. And uh, it, it, it's, it spoke to him. Yeah. Well, that's all I, that's literally all I know. <laughs> Chris Columbus either had just graduated or was about to graduate from NYU and had written this script uh, you know, for Gremlins as a spec script, and yeah. you know he based it on his, his the loft that he lived in in New York City. That you know everything was fine, and at night when he'd turn out the lights, he heard 
what sounded like an army of mice just like stampeding through his his loft you know as soon as the lights would go out and that just you know spawned the idea of these these gremlins and what would happen if that were true and and you know took over a town um and you know he wrote a wrote a spec script sent it around town amazingly it landed with spielberg who really you know was attracted to its originality it was something very different um and very unique and i think that's what he was looking for especially in the early 80s for sure yeah and uh it's definitely um one of those things where i it's funny to think that like there was a world before gremlins (laughs) there was indeed this was I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's BG and AG, you know, <laughs> before, before Gremlins and after Gremlins. Yeah. Um, but, like, this is probably one of the earliest movies of in my formative years. Like, you know, it's like Indiana Jones is there, Star Wars is there, and Gremlins is there, too, although probably doesn't take up as much headspace for me. Um, but it's there. It definitely was part of my, like those younger days uh, and probably I think it tapered off you know whereas I'd watch indie indie movies or not indie movies but Indiana Jones movies or Star Wars movies much more often as oh, yeah. I grew older you yeah know, it's, Gremlins was not something that persisted it's but not as remains. re it's not as rewatchable yeah I guess not as those but yeah, still out of, out like, of those yeah yeah but boy, um, it has some thrills. It has some chills and some <laughs> comedic moments. It's a lot. This movie is a lot. There's a lot going on here. This yeah, it's one. so Gremlins is a is a big mixed bag. But um, as far as the genres it falls into, but but uh, yeah. So just going back to the the, the origins of it. So you know, yeah, yeah. Col- Columbus writes the movie, Spielberg uh, likes it and starts kind of developing it. And it's actually the first project that Amblin, uh, you know, develops and, and puts into production. So uh, that's a little bit of a, you know, footnote in history there. Um, yeah, yeah. At the, at the same time, there's a, a young director up and coming named Joe Dante, who... Dante you know, studied under Roger Corman and, and was a, uh, was an animator in, in films in the sixties, uh, hooked up with Corman. And, and that's, was such a, a, you know, school for so many filmmakers who, you know, he would make these very low budget movies in very quick fashion. And it was a crash course in, in filmmaking. And, uh, a lot of people spent time with him and, learned a tremendous amount just literally by just doing it and joe dante was one of those guys he ended up as an editor on grand theft auto which i want to i that's one of the ron howard movies right i'm pretty sure ron howard's so yeah yeah from that was from the seven like late 70s kind of yeah i think mid it was like after american graffiti okay okay but uh and then he was a co-director on a movie called hollywood boulevard and then Corman uh, gave him the opportunity to direct a, a little movie called Piranha. Have you seen that, oh, David? Baby, I have. Uh, have I? Actually, I may have only seen some of that. I don't know. No. Yes. Piranha's no, probably not. Yeah, you probably haven't seen it, but Piranha's a fun movie. It's very, very much uh, Jaws in a river. Um, 
but it's uh, yeah. it's a good time, and Joe Dante's kind of having fun, a little bit of fun on that movie. So yeah, you know he's starting to get his feet wet, pun intended, uh, <laughs> with Piranha, and then goes you know right into the Howling, which was a bigger movie, um, very successful, uh, and and both these movies start to dance this fine line of horror and dark comedy which was mm-hmm. kind of a thing in the 80s especially in the early 80s mm-hmm. uh you know you've got your your evil deads you've got even you know ghostbusters a, lo- a lot of movies were just kind of walking that line of like oh sometimes this is funny and sometimes we're doing some creepy stuff and we're just gonna stay in the middle of that to speak to that though, and I think that that that's sort of the winning formula that was figured out in terms of like the comedy and the scares of a horror film kind of go hand in hand. I I feel like they're activating the same part of your brain, so that when a horror movie it has those scares, but then also has levity and jokes, you're you're enjoying it the same way, but for different reasons. And I think that's I think that's sort of probably why like your more mainstream horror things turned into comedy parodies and, or had a lot of levity. Right. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's sort of the, that's sort of the winning formula instead of just like sort of gore fests and things, which I mean, yeah, a lot of horror these days, it's just about the scares. It's not, 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 not that it has to like make you laugh a lot, but it's just sort of the tension is released. Yeah. uh, That's a good point. With a laugh or with a murder. Um, So I feel like they're like, this is tapping into like, Oh, this is this works in this way. You you kind of have to pair the two, um, that you can kind of get an audience for both. You can get people who like to laugh, and you can get people who like to be thrilled. Um, and I think like it's you know it's like people who like to ride roller coasters or something. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's exciting but scary. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's fun and and thrilling. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, back to, back to you, John. <laughs> <laughs> well thanks david uh yeah so you know dante is floating around making these movies that are that are doing well uh spielberg you know i he i think it was really the howling that caught spielberg's eye although it could have been piranha you know being kind of a takeoff of jaws and maybe he found some spielberg found that uh amusing uh but he ends up Offering a part of the Twilight Zone, the movie, uh, one segment to Joe Dante to direct. So, which was a huge movie. Um, We talked a tiny bit about this in the Bad News Bears episode back in year one in our archives, um, Mm -hmm. which you can find at www.reconcinemation.com. But we talked sure. about, um, you know, Vic Morrow, who was in the Twilight Zone, not the segment with uh, that Joe Dante directed, but um, was tragically killed uh, during the making of the movie in a, in a horrible accident um, that should never have happened, but it did. Uh, so Twilight Zone, the movie is a very it's hard to watch that movie and not think about that accident. Yeah, of course. Like that—that's the mystique of that movie. That—that that sort of the shadow of it is that accident. Yeah. Uh, um, but which segment? Which segment of Twilight Zone was it? Which story? He, do you remember? You know, I for some reason I can't remember the n- name of that segment, but it's an animated one that stars. I, I want to say it's Kathleen Quinlan. Um, 
who I have not seen Twilight Zone the movie in such a long time, but uh, I think mm-hmm. she's playing like a w- old, not an older woman, but a woman who is adopted by a like a young kid, and um, yeah, gets huh. a little weird. But um, I can't, I I barely remember that. Actually, it has been a long time since I've seen it. Now that you yeah. say that. <laughs> But the main, the main right. you know, element coming out of that is that Dante and Spielberg, uh, who had directed another segment and produced the movie, was uh, you know started to develop a connection. Um, you know, alongside them making this movie is when he's he's developing the script with Chris Columbus, and and because of how he was able to work through Piranha and the, and the Howling with that horror slash comedy. Uh, the, he feels like Dante is the perfect person to direct Gremlins and makes him the offer. Yeah, but yeah, so Dante starts to you know overhaul the script as well and and kind of infuse it with some of his notes and and you know he really wanted to uh, you know base part of the idea on um, you know there was a Bugs Bunny short uh, Warner Brothers short called right. it's called it's called yeah. Falling Hair. And uh, it's, you know, about, yeah, a little green gremlin who's, uh, you know, harassing uh, Bugs Bunny, I think, on an airplane, some right? Something like that. It's paired like with, it. yeah, maybe paired with the old story, you know, of, of when in World War Two, when there was, you know, technical malfunctions, mechanical errors and malfunctions on planes and ships that a lot of the soldiers would joke around that it was a gremlin, a little gremlin in there that did it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of where they get the concept for the movie. And, you know, and then they start formulating it into, into what we ended up seeing. And the have you heard about, like, some of the original ideas in the, in the early drafts of the script? I mean, a, a little, but I, I know, like, there was a lot. It was a lot more violent and, and a lot more, like, sort of uh, not as... Not as cutesy, I guess. Uh, Gizmo would have been the bad guy eventually, and and it was a lot, lot more murders, like explicit murders happen, or yeah, all that. But but that's but not quite like I don't know. I don't really have the examples. Well, yeah, so I I do actually. So oh my god, of, tell me about these. <laughs> so some of the specific differences were yeah, it was in general it was a lot darker. Um, you know, the, a lot of the cutesy stuff was just gone. I mean, off the bat, you would have lost uh, Gizmo halfway through the movie because Gizmo is the one who becomes Stripe and becomes the villain. Ah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you have a genius, especially at the time, of Spielberg who sees, like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Like, the, we're going we're gonna to base the entire marketing campaign around Gizmo. So he is not going to be the villain in the second half of the movie. We'll make some new character yeah. you know but uh yeah. which was you know part of the genius of, of spielberg for seeing it that way at this time you know he w- was such a great guiding hand for some of these other franchises gremlins and back to the future and um just really knew what was going to sell these movies yeah uh we've also got you know the when the gremlins attack billy's mother uh, they they not only kill her, they when he finally makes it back to the house, he's he opens the door and they roll her head down the steps of the house. 
Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A yeah. uh, little so violent. this is a little more, little more traditional gore, horror, shock. Thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they kill and eat the dog. They, um, the speech that, that, uh, uh, Phoebe Cates gives later on in the movie was actually meant to happen in a, there was going to be a segment involving like a burger, you know, burger joint. And the, I think the, one of the guys who works at the burger joint, you know, gave, that was his speech and the gremlins show up and like, Instead of eating all the burgers, they eat all the people there. Oh. Oh. So wait, so it wasn't even attached to a main character? That The, the speech, you know, the whole story about her, her dad dying and yeah. <laughs> being found? Yeah. It was, Which uh, is a... such a quirky, weird moment in the movie. I just, just to comment on that specifically. Like, yeah, well, I mean... It doesn't really fit the event, the, the complete film, like... It's it's this nice holdover from that original script, I guess, but uh, it, it adds this little twisted dark layer uh, to the whole thing. Yeah, and then we'll come back to that because that um, once they're in post, you know, that is a very big point of contention was that scene. So, uh, but we'll we'll circle sure, yeah. back to that. Um, cool, cool. Yeah, we don't need to comment on it right now. The I'm sorry, bro. The, I'm sorry, I brought it up. <laughs> You, you, you should apologize. <laughs> I'm such a bastard. All right. Uh, yeah, so a lot much darker script, much uh, darker tone. And, you know, the guiding hand of uh, Spielberg and, and Dante uh, lighten it back up. So the um, isn't that something isn't that something, though, like, you know, if obviously like everyone would have an opinion on a script, right? You read a script, the story's told, the characters, all the things that happen all the arcs and all that. And like everyone would have their own basic opinion of what works for them. You know, what can you do as a film? How can you market this? How can mm-hmm. you sell this? How will audiences react? And it's, but it's Spielberg who's in the right place where he is um, after a lot of success and understands like, yeah, this is what you wrote, but here's what really can make this thing sing. Yeah, like here is what we can really do, and I mean, it's just it, that's that's such beyond. It's not even like I'm sure Spielberg has a healthy ego, but it's not like I don't know. It's got to be something about just having the right way to give people what they might need, or you know, like he turned this gore fest into a family friendly thing. More or less family friendly. There's some yeah, things enough. you got to reserve, but yeah, it, something to earn a PG thirteen. But still, it's nothing that's so horrific. There's not there's not a lot of human blood in the movie, and it's no. it's really goofy creatures and all that. But uh, you know, the fact that Spielberg could take something like that with the mom's head rolling or the dog getting killed, all the the the, the cute thing in the center of the film. As the villain, he says, "No, nah, listen, listen. You you got some good ideas, but here's what we really should do." I just think that's just incredible. Like it, it is. really goes I mean, to show Spielberg's talent. Yeah, I mean that's why he was such a great producer and and director. I mean he he saw the big picture. He was able to, you know, he's a smart business person, and he obviously and he, you know, was able to see the big picture for each you know each of his movies. At least you know ones that would fall into that category obviously you're not gonna promote a color the color purple like you would uh 
you know, Gremlins or Indiana Jones, but um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> with a with a with a swelling John Williams score. <laughs> I don't think you'd see a. I don't see, think you'd see the color purple uh, breakfast cereal. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I mean, maybe, but I mean, I would enjoy that. <laughs> it's anyway. like. It's like Grem- uh, Gremlins, C-3PO's, Mr. T cereal. Oh, yeah. Oh, color purple. Yeah. Let's grab that. Let's, oh, c- color pur- purple-o's. Like, or whatever. <laughs> color, color purple-o's. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> what if all these, like, dramatic, uh, serious films, you know, that, that really uh, try to tell a story that the mainstream is and like yeah, they're all still marketed the same way <laughs> as these oh, like, yeah, you popcorn could, movies. You could easily do... Sophie's Choice, uh, the marshmallow cereal, <laughs> now with niacin and riboflavin. <laughs> exactly. And each, 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 uh, you know, thing in the cereal was, you know, either, either Kevin Klein or Meryl Streep. Yeah, there's like two bags of cereal in there, with one type of marshmallow and another type of marshmallow. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> you just you chew, you make your choice every morning. I'd buy it. <laughs> uh yeah yeah oh man see my like understanding like that you can you can make a movie to entertain people and there's nothing wrong with that and yeah you know like it, like let's entertain people and we charge the money for it but we're not just trying to take their money we want to give them something they're going to enjoy mm-hmm. and i think it's like the artists who are so cynical about the studio business side of things, I think in this modern day, I think they have a lot to, I think they're, they're they have a lot to say. And I think they're correct about sort of the commercialization, uh, j- the, the fact that it is just a money generating machine. Sure. But you can't tell me that there aren't people that are dedicated to at least give people their money's worth. You know? Right. Uh, right. And I think that's true today. I think that the things that are popcorn, the things that are, you know, that may not challenge you as deeply um, can still be worth the time. Um, I mean, we, we still, you know, people will go to a, a theme park and they will line up for an hour and a half to get on a roller coaster that lasts 90 seconds. And mm-hmm. why? It's because it's worth it to them. So I, I don't know. I mean, I appreciate cinema as art. And I think there is a place for these things that are about films or movies to to entertain and make you feel good um because damn life is hard and we don't need to reflect the darkness or the challenges of being a human being at all times right um you know i i, I think it, it's a it's the, i mean i we, every episode i managed to work in a marvel reference that we end up doing and i think it to me it's partly just to be funny about it but also like I'm here, I watch movies to be entertained mostly, and I like to be challenged when I can. Um, but it, it, it's something like this: the the '80s Spielbergness of of film uh, has its place, and I don't think people would ever say that what he was doing, you know, kind of hurt cinema. It it created a it it exploded the business into mm-hmm. a, a, a monumental thing, but we're seeing the benefits of what this, what the technology can do, what the stories can do and what people are willing to pay for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to, you want to go see a big blockbuster. Now it costs you $25 in the best theater at, at, at least, you know, uh, people will pay for it. Yeah. Let's give, 
give them what they want. I, I, I have no problem with that. Yeah, uh, so I back to I, Gremlins. <laughs> I agree. No, I mean, I'm. Uh, what do you I'm think? Not... I mean, am I crazy? No, I I agree with you entirely. I mean, I, I don't. Uh... Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. I think you kind of said it. I think Ooh, you kind of said it. But um... uh, the gavel goes down. Judgment passed. <laughs> <laughs> Munchak wins. Anyway, <clears throat> but let's let's listen, talk about let's talk fun. about some of the actors what? in this movie. Who's in this movie? Who's Who's in the movie? (laughs) That's the name of the segment. Who's in the movie? (laughs) (laughs) Who's in the movie? Uh, All right. So we've got, you know, basically a fresh-faced, a mix of, you know, some veteran actors and some fresh-faced, youthful-looking gents and ladies. Um, Sure. We've got, yeah. You've got uh, Zach Galligan is uh, is Billy Peltzer, who's our you know our main character, uh, and this was Zach Galligan. This is one of his first movies. I really don't remember seeing Zach in a lot of movies. I mean, the Gremlins franchise was kind of his, and then I saw him in what Waxwork, I think, a horror movie, and and that's oh, yeah. all I can really remember. Yeah, in the late '80s, there and then, yeah, he just always sort of stayed in the fringes, the the sort of B level, and and you know he he, was, he remained a working actor, but yeah, was never in anything that sort of was mainstream or, uh, you know, a big a big thing. Um, it's just he he sort of I think stayed to sort of the the horror genre a little bit and a little bit of the, you know, offbeat kind yeah. of things. Yeah, they uh, um, he works all the time. We what was so when they're in the audition, uh, it's him and Phoebe Cates uh, reading together, and th- according to Spielberg, at least what he told me was that, uh, you know, the, like he could see immediately that Zach was falling in love with Phoebe, like right there, and they had that genuine connection, and uh, and that got him the role. Wow, how about that? <laughs> yeah. Now Phoebe Cates, who plays uh, Kate, who is his uh, friend, and I would say by the end his girlfriend, um, was just coming off of Fast Times at Ridgemont High and a couple of other movies. Uh, Blame it on Rio, I think was the we talked about those a little bit on in our Fast Times at Ridgemont High episode. But the you know she's doing a little bit of risque, you know semi nude performances. Right. Uh, which, you know, family-friendly Spielberg and Amblin were, you know, a little bit hesitant to cast her because they thought they would bring some some baggage with her. Uh, That I don't think was the case. I mean, God, she looks, you know, great in this movie, and she looks even... some Certain shots, I felt like she looked younger in this movie than she did at Fast Times. (laughs) She always well. I think it really the way she is presented in this and in Fast Times, like she's always presented as sort of this. Uh, I think part of her is a, she's an old soul. Like I think it's uh, they kind of bring that out in sort of the way they in the wardrobe and the hairstyle. Like it's it's yeah. really not about presenting her as youth uh, as youthful as she is. Is is more of like there's more to her. Um, she carries this. She has this like gravitas. It's really weird. Like she, she is something. So yeah, like I, I see what you mean, but 
I think, uh, you know, the way she dresses at the bank versus the way she dresses at the bar, mm-hmm. you know, you sort of, you see a difference in that, like understanding that she, you know, these characters, I guess, are supposed to be, you know, just like right out of college age, you know, yeah, 23. That's, that's funny. Know? There's a, there's a lot of debate about their ages and like how, how old is Billy? Because why is he hanging out it, with Corey Feldman, who's like, what, 12? <laughs> at 12 at the like the high most the high end yeah he's like he's probably yeah Uh, so well he knows him but yeah like yeah it's it's kind of weird i mean i Uh, it actually never bothered me like i always just assumed that like yeah he's he's post high school unknown if he's post college or didn't go to college or or what but like his friendship with Corey Feldman is, you know, Corey's like the kid down the street who, you know, you just, you hang out with the kids down the street. Yeah. But like, and I don't know if they're like pals, like it's just, you know, he, the kid delivers the tree. They know each other. I mean, what, what comes across in this film is too, uh, Kingston falls or whatever they're from. It's such a small town. Everyone knows each other. Like mm-hmm. they all interact each other. They all know each other's names. So yeah, he knows who, Corey Feldman is uh, what is the character's name? What is Corey's Pete? Pete, yeah. uh, you know he knows who Pete is, and it's just like, yeah, all right, cool. And like, of course, like Billy is an artist, and uh, he reads comic books, so yeah, come, come up to my attic and let's check out my new pet. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, it's not. There's nothing to it. It's just yeah. I don't think they're pals. Like he calls them, like, what are you doing Friday? Like let's hang out. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a kid in the neighborhood who is dro- delivering the tree uh, on, the, uh, on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Delivering the tree. Uh, Christmas Eve. Ugh, the timeline of this movie is so bananas. Anyway, um, <laughs> things things work to to the advantage of the script, not really mm-hmm. to like things that make sense. But anyway, uh, yeah, go ahead. What were we yeah. talking about? The, the uh, cast? The cast, yeah. <laughs> Corey Feldman, well, uh, who we already mentioned. Phoebe is, Cates. Yeah. Phoebe Gates, Corey Feldman is in this, and this is one of his very first roles. Um, he had done, uh, you know, he had done some TV. He had done uh, a movie called Time After Time After Time. I think was his debut, uh, and then this was, uh, you know, the beginning of a of a really solid streak of movies for him in in the eighties. But uh, yeah, he's uh, you know a, basically a small role, and you don't really see a conclusion of. There's a few characters in here, which I'm going to talk about in a second, but uh, who just kind of vanish, you know, in the second half of the movie. And and Corey's one of them that, you know, I think the last time you see him, he's just fending off the gremlins with a slingshot, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Out of his bedroom window. Yeah. Close the window first. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, yeah, you you see him as part of the action of like the town reacting to the like the gremlin invasion. Right. But and you don't know what's happening. Uh, but that's that's the closure you get for Pete. He's he's just dealing with Grumman's attacking him yeah. in his house. Uh, we've got uh, let's see, Judge Reinhold, who is uh, you know works at the is kind of a stuck up guy, definitely post college, who is uh, wanting to be bank manager material. Um, he works there with with Billy during the day, and then. Uh, is you know judge is very good at playing the asshole and you know oh, sell, yeah. sells it pretty well here even though he's you know what again same thing as phoebe two years after fast times 
he's starting to play, you know, the jerk and uh, the asshole. And, and uh, he's another character, though, that we, we – most of his role was cut out of the movie. Um, we don't yeah. really see him at all in the second half. And, it, again, in the original script, he was – he he ends up going crazy, locking himself in the bank and then locking himself in the vault to protect himself. And that's you don't see him again after that. So Wait, he what, locked himself in the vault. Yeah. It he moved. like goes. He goes. No, no. It was cut out of the movie. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> like that would have been. Yeah, that would be that would be the perfect exactly what you would see of him. Like yeah, being overrun and and hiding away. Not that he has to be a hero, but like, yeah, that that's part of the course of it's and what a reunion just to see Phoebe and uh, Judge back together. Yeah, yeah, must have been a good time on set. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, work with your old friends. Yeah, the uh, but yeah, most of his role was cut out of the movie, and uh, I don't, I've never seen any footage of it, so I'd be interested to check that out. Uh, uh-huh. We've got Hoyt Axton who is, you know, we mentioned him earlier. He was a country music uh, songwriter who, you know, dabbled dabbled in acting. I mean, he, we, you've seen him in uh, The Black Stallion. Remember that movie? I don't, but yes. Disney's The <laughs> Black Stallion? You. Oh, yeah, he's, uh, he's in it. Sure. Um, Francis we Lee Mc... About, we lost him about 20 years ago, just FYI. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Hoyt. Frances Lee McCain, who uh, you know her very, very well from. Uh, wait, I do know her from. I'm um, going to give you one guess. No, wait. I'm going to say. No, wait. Yeah, wait. We've talked about her. <laughs> She's just in the last couple of. Wait, Footless. No, Foot, uh, yes, no. Footloose is correct. <laughs> she's, she's in Footloose, but wait, no, what's no? Wait, she's in Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Sorry. There you go. So. Do I, Marty? Do I know your mom? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think uh, I do. She's, uh, she's. You could say that. <laughs> <laughs> she's great. I mean, she's. You know, there's certain actresses in the '80s who played, who played the mom, and she did it very well in lots of great movies and. Uh, and she gets yeah. a lot of action in this movie. She's, uh, Woo! yeah, she's the hero of this movie. Yeah, I mean that's like a really intense. It's pro- it's probably the most intense, you know, fight sequences with her. She kills three gremlins in like ninety seconds. Straight up, knows some shit's going down, grabs a knife, doesn't know what's happening, and she straight up murders three gremlins. <laughs> like in just- in. In some of the most violent what? ways possible. <laughs> yeah, forget the fact that the microwave sequence is like amazingly presented as this like sort of gore kind of thing, and um, and then and the one in the mixer. But there's one, the gremlin's just on the counter, and she just straight up stabs the dude like just like knife over the head down yeah. into and kills a gremlin just straight up like yeah, it's crazy. She's not messing around like. She takes some injuries. She's hurting. Yeah. She ah uh, she she f's gremlins up. She kills more gremlins than anybody. <laughs> like, yeah. The the uh, the blender, the microwave, the yeah. It's all. Uh, she's she's like a little Rambo. Yeah, it was pretty great. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, 
it, and it's nice to see that not not her being like sort of this victim or whatever that just gets murdered and mm-hmm. well now there's got to be a revenge story or whatever it's like yeah yeah no everyone can sort of everyone can kind of make do with the gremlins and she does she takes mm-hmm. care of business yeah and i think that actually like lessens their their threat because there's a there's like isn't there only two deaths in the movie that are sort of shown or no maybe a f- more than that i think four or five but like you and you're supposed to assume more death is happening but they're not explicit about it yeah uh, it's a it's um so the gremlins are terrifying and they are threatening and obviously but because of the whimsy that's involved and the fact that you see yeah the mom character like straight up killing three of them in her house in no time it lessens their impact but still doesn't it's it makes them less scary in a sense but uh it, you still are, are, are they're threatened by their big teeth and their mm-hmm. their scary voice and all of that i think it's it's pretty cool like uh that mix that mix makes it more palatable for mm-hmm. the viewer i don't know yeah spielberg what a what a genius oh he knew what he was doing uh, we've got uh, Dick Miller, who's a, a character actor who also came up through the Roger Corman, you know, school. Uh, I think I want to yeah. say he was in the original Little Shop of Horrors, and uh, he's in the Terminator. He's in V, the original miniseries. He's in so many, many, many movies and shows. Uh, and he plays Mr. Futterman, uh, the Peltzer's next door neighbor, who doesn't. Yeah. Do, do you think? What do you think ends up happening to the to the um, to that you know him and his wife in this movie do you think they are killed or what are you led to believe i think you're led to believe they are killed in a freak accident which uh we hear at the sheriff's station um and luckily that's retconned in gremlins 2 the new batch so whew, <laughs> yeah butterman survive yeah but no gl- first time it's clear they are fucking murdered. Yeah, <laughs> they're killed. Like, there's no way they they survive this. So, yeah. Uh, and R.I.P. Dick Miller. We lost him in 2019. And, yeah, that was sad. And he's, you know, he yeah. became a, a staple in the Joe Dante films. He was in almost every one of them until he died. So, really, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, oh, great, great actor, really charming, great, and he sets up some of the kind of the lore of it you know he he tells the story of this the same way of uh how these world war ii guys are talking about gremlins in the engine and when i was a kid i used to think wait is he talking about like real like these guys like these gremlins and watching it again i'm like no it's just it's just the way they told that story of things get you know the gremlins are everywhere well yeah he ba- these specific he, monsters yeah he basically names them i mean he he's the one who is the first one to say the name so yeah exactly yeah 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 uh um, let's see we've got key luke uh who plays uh the old the old man who i guess he never really sells the uh uh mogwai uh gizmo to to mr to rand peltzer but he's he's the owner of the mogwai yes yes he he has them in his store all the time and never sells it yeah <laughs> weird <laughs> are you taking um, care of it like wouldn't you keep it behind the desk like behind the like a counter maybe mm-hmm. a back room yeah maybe so no one hears it i don't know you know just the thought does yeah i know he keeps talking <laughs> and singing and shit <laughs> <and> like distracting <laughs> rand 
Um, and also kept in like a box, like doesn't you know? Does oh, he's he got a special to, box, yeah. Do, does he run out and play? Like, what does this thing do? I don't know. Gizmos, this Mogwai's yeah. crazy. Uh, and Key Luke is uh, was a character actor who they. It's funny he'd been around a long time and he looked a lot younger than he actually was. So they actually had to age him to make him look, you know, like in his eighties. Even though he, I don't think he was that far from that, but he looked like twenty years younger. Yeah, you would actually. Yeah, it says here. Yeah, he was born in nineteen oh four, so he was eighty three ish when they filmed it. Like, yeah, it's and they crazy. had to age him up even further. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, yowza. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, bananas. Let's, yeah, Polly Holiday, uh, who plays Mrs. Deagle, she's fantastic villain. Uh, Oh, wow. Wicked yeah. Witch of the West. Yeah, the totally. Times, like, man. there's such a uh, Wizard of Oz thing going on with her. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I loved it. Great, uh, great villain who, I guess, doesn't really, like, in the grand scheme of the plot, her character doesn't really matter, but it, it matters in setting up uh, some of the character work in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. She's a necessary sort of, like, how the rest of the characters react to her sets up like what, uh, you know, uh, sets up their character a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see who else. Uh, Glenn Turman, who's in this, uh, who plays the science teacher. Great actor who, uh, for all you Wire fans, he shows up in The Wire and just so many other uh, great roles over the years. But he's 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 uh, fantastic as the uh, science teacher. Is that your oh, favorite yeah, character? Yeah. He's one of he's top top five Gremlins characters, absolutely. <laughs> like when they started <laughs> when they started selling the Gremlins action figures, you you went for the science teacher first, didn't you? Yeah, because he came with the proton pack and the karate grip, uh, kung fu grip. So yeah, yeah. loved it. So, yeah, so you gotta yeah. you you gotta go with that one. You gotta go. Oh, he was in the fourth season of Fargo? Shit. Or no, that's coming out. So he's going to be in the fourth season of Fargo. Oh, my God. Get ready, guys. Oh, my God. I missed the third season. Is that any good? I don't know. The third season. I don't know. I only only saw the first one, and I thought it was very good, and I just, you know, couldn't keep up with it. All right. All right. He's in Bumblebee. You remember Bumblebee from 2008. I do, yes. I know. That's one of your favorite movies of that year. Well, any Transformers live action movie is my favorite. So, <laughs> of course. Um, uh, yeah, but let's talk yeah. about let's talk about the uh, the the creature effects for a minute. So, uh, Chris Wallace is the you know effects the head effects producer, and he was coming off of uh, also worked on Piranha and E. T. and Return of the Jedi. So, yeah. very uh, well respected. Um, you know, effects producer and, you know, they struggled to keep up with the pace of the movie because they had to, you know, it, it took a while. It actually was a little bit of what helped the movie get greenlit is that they needed to start. They kept pushing the studio. Like if you want to shoot these things, like you have to let us start making them or, <laughs> you know, we're not going to have any of these things for the, in time for the movie. And they yeah. take you know weeks to, to at least to build these things and and they had all different yeah. sizes of gizmos and um, you know when you see when you first see Gizmo kind of peer out of the box like you see him 
his hands do something that he never could do. He wouldn't be able to physically do that the way he like holds onto the side. And then you see his head pop up. Like his arms would have to be much longer than they were, but they, um, you know, made many different versions of gizmo and stripe and, and a bunch of the other ones. Uh, so they could do different things depending on whatever the shots were. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't there like one that's like five feet tall or something? Like yeah. That? Yeah. They're all one for the close ups. Y- yep. Yeah. yeah. They're all different sizes and, and just very complicated to try and, and make all those work and, and not have them look, you know, totally like Muppets. Although you, you know, you, you can't totally avoid that, but. Uh, yeah. I I think they look great. I mean, obviously they're they they had a huge reaction. So the funny thing is the close-ups of Gizmo and the other Gremlins and stuff, or the other Mogwais, um, it's it's such a weird like look because it's kind of Yoda in its in its look in terms of sort of the the actual skin you see or just flesh without fur, very wrinkled and mm-hmm. very like very particular with these like big cute like cartoon eyes and the fur and they kind of look just like old and like weird (laughs) they don't look Mm -hmm. as cute as they are in the sort of the wide shots um but uh so watching it again i was like oh like it's not that cute like (laughs) yes i think he's a lot cuter he's cute in a lot of those shots where he's just the tiny little little puppet right uh, next to the humans and he's very expressive obviously no matter what shot they're doing but and he's probably a lot cuter in a sense in Gremlins too, but uh, it's uh, I was just like, oh, he's not that cute <laughs> in the in those <laughs> in those close-ups, yeah, because he's just it, he's just kind of gross. But I think all humans from all creatures from maybe three inches away are kind of gross. <laughs> so <laughs> and you think about it, you're just gross. <laughs> I don't know. What did you um? Oh, so the big the big sequence when you know when I think of these, uh, you know the creatures and the creature effects. How can you not talk about the bar scene? Well, I mean, that's where the movie completely. That's when you know what you're really getting into here. I mean, there was always a zaniness um, and a wackiness to the the, the new Mogwais, and then. Uh, and all that, but I mean, after they had multiplied, like, and they're w- walking around, and then they're in the bar scene. That's insane. That that I mean, whole sequence is crazy. It's crazy, <laughs> and and it's long. You know, just seeing it's... what these. So I mean, that's this is that mix of like horror and comedy that these things are running amok and causing chaos, and you know, likely killing a significant amount of people. But then you cut to this, and it's a it's like pure comedy. I mean, they you oh, know they're sitting at the so bar funny. getting drunk, and then they've got the little what jazz band, and it, it's yeah. crazy. They're playing cards. One of them literally shoots another with a gun. Yeah. Um, but they're at the bar, and she's serving them like they're customers. So I mean, but obviously there might be a little backstory here where they're basically holding her hostage to yeah. serve them, so they have a good time. So she, because obviously she's trying to escape, but she's when we first see them in the bar, she's just trying to take care of them as a bartender, but she's horrified. <laughs> it's right. it's so zany and wacky, like it's, yeah. And it's funny. I mean, everything about it, when it comes down to 
Um, the voice work, which is probably mostly mostly Frank Welker, but I probably you know a lot of different people. But Frank Welker, obviously a very talented, um, and he probably has two thousand credits to his name mm-hmm. uh, with creature work and all of that. Um, and then uh, the sound effects, like because they they add cartoon sound effects to this mm-hmm. shit, and yeah, uh, the music and it, it just everything about it is so bananas and that's when you realize like what you're really into like this is mm-hmm. while it's it's horror it's horrifying there's horror elements um it is it is funny <laughs> and and you're i think that's it they 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 found the magic combination here ah oh, i love the bar sequence yeah and that aerobics like the little aerobic segment like that's that's yeah. just complete bananas yeah doing a flash dance homage in the yeah. middle of it like what the fuck like what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's but the and the funny thing is that the bar scene, and I guess like the movie theater scene before they all get blown up, mm-hmm. um, set the stage for. You can really buy, and we'll, we can mention it later. We don't have to get into it, Gremlins Two, where the Gremlins Two just took takes everything about the comedy of it and the craziness of it, and just uh, and turns turns it up like just crazy from there um but this that sets it that sets the stage it's not like gremlins 2 is some aberration or some different movie it's like no it's already it's already been established the the gremlins are crazy and wacky oh, yeah. and like to have yeah. fun uh and that and whatever their nature is is to kill but they're also just gonna have a bunch of fun <laughs> i love it yeah and we also get a little bit of uh, the the rules that are that are clearly established in the in the beginning of the movie about you know not getting them wet. Well, you know they are drinking a hell of a lot at that bar. Uh, does that not count? Maybe the alcohol neutralizes whatever it is. Well, there's so much about the movie that confused me even as a little kid. I was like, well, he's running through the snow. Every time I touch snow, I melt the snow and I get water. So. Uh, why aren't they multiplying when they won't run through snow and all of that <laughs> and uh, yeah, drinking and all of and that it just like well, there's liquid. It's liquid. It's don't get them wet. Water, I, but I guess they specifically water. So I mean, that's the thing. There's certain things about the movie you just sort of have to just say, well, the actual thing doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It it would be too insane to just stick to the rules. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can't hold it at Christmas in a snowy Christmas New York type town, mm-hmm. New York suburb town, um, uh, which adds to it. I mean, if it was just a regular summer day, this movie would be a little more boring, you know? Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there, again, it's the combination of things that are so, so perfect together, like this Christmas season and it's freezing cold and everyone knows each other and they all have their own problems. Like Billy can't get to work at a bank at 9am. Yeah. Like this guy sucks. Like <laughs> get to the, get to work, dude. You, and this is the first time you're late. <laughs> like, And then he's, he can't get to work and he could still walk there and get there kind of on time that yeah. no one noticed anyway. Like, like shit. Does he actually <laughs> need to drive there? Did he ever no. have to drive? Like where would he have parked? Because he lives on the Universal backlot. <laughs> like <laughs> he, 
Or at least the bank is on the Universal backlot right yeah. near where Marty McFly went back to the future. Yeah, so. well, yep. It's uh, These are the same timeline, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jerry Goldsmith's score. How do you uh, how do you like that on this one? Uh, it's perfect. He he hits the the thrills and the whimsy perfectly. Mm-hmm. The sort of Mogwai theme and the Gremlin theme of it uh, is so perfect because it has a a joyousness and sort of a I don't know a a, 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 a a joyousness and like a you know a horror kind of feel to it mm-hmm. um without trying to creep you out and it's it's sing-songy and it's you could memorize it and sing along <laughs> it's oh yeah a lot of fun um it really really yeah no it's i think jerry goldsmith uh, hits it out of the park with this one yeah well i mean he's like i want to say top five composer of all time i mean such yeah i mean it's not hard to be like yeah oh this <laughs> jerry goldsmith great yeah but you get, you know, the the main theme song. And, and that's funny, actually. They haven't released this soundtrack, I don't think, ever. Or maybe they did just recently. But for a long time, it was not out. And uh, the only thing you could get was the, you know, the main Gremlins theme, which is great. But the rest of the score yeah. is pretty fantastic, too. Well, like, and don't... Actually, I don't remember. Do the Gremlins actually sing the theme on this one I feel like yeah they I think they the, did a the little bit somewhere yeah I yeah. feel like they did I want to say they did but it's established early when they were still Mogwais too which is like mm-hmm. when uh, it, that's that's when you first hear the theme um, start to come out and then it com- becomes more twisted as they become gremlins right uh, uh, good shit like it, yeah the, it, it, this movie knows how to build towards something um and it's just so silly uh th- th- it's a silly theme song and it's fun <laughs> it works well you know and, and that's part of me uh, part of what uh you know works at least for me for this movie is is you know the structure it's it's a, i feel like it's a really strong structure uh story structure and you know, establishing the rules so early, early in the movie, just you know, really gives you a uh, kind of a formula to work with, and you know, it, I think it all kind of flows together really nicely. I, I but it, it's you know, it starts with those those rules kind of form the foundation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like setting everything up with that conceit, and then like you you you're along for the ride and you don't spend much time with with Gizmo and Billy together before mm-hmm. things go awry <laughs> and uh, yeah yeah it's like well you didn't follow the rules man like but we know how to take care of them we know sunlight'll kill them so uh yeah everything just is is perfectly uh, established and locked together uh, yeah. to give you to be give you give you that beginning middle and end of conflict and resolution and we've got what? So uh, remind me what the rules are. It's don't feed him after midnight. Well, the first one, they don't like bright lights. Right. No, wait. Is that the first right. one? Right. Don't yeah, get no, wet. Yeah. Then no, wait. And then don't feed him after midnight. I think is the third rule. Yeah, because you you get them wet, and that's when they multiply, which was another really cool effect. Um, yeah. That looked awesome, as like they're bubbling. 
you know, bubbling out of Gizmo's back and, and then Stripes. Yeah. But, um, and then feeding him after midnight turns them evil, basically, right? Yeah, it turns them into gremlins from Mogwai yeah. to Gremlin. Yeah. But it's it, it's fascinating that the, you know, when Gizmo gets multiplied, that all of the all the gremlins are they're rascals like they're all like little prankster assholes mm-hmm. like so well they trick yeah they th- trick him they trick both the science teacher and billy about getting them manipulating them to feed him after midnight wait how did the one in this how did the one at the high school trick him didn't he like, oh he just he gave, just left did, the sandwich he right, that's sandwich. right. He didn't. He did. Yeah, he left the sandwich. Right, right. Yeah. He, yeah. But they tricked but they, Billy because because they yeah, mess they with the uh, clock. Yeah. So, and can we just talk for a second how the fact that like Billy gets this present of a creature he's never seen or heard of before, <laughs> and yeah, the thing knows basic English. <laughs> like, sure. Bright bright lights, you know, like just like bright light, bright light, like. The, no one comments on it like these things can talk <laughs> imagine if your dog was just like i'm hungry like holy shit they're the pet the animal talks like no other creature on the planet understands english and can speak it like we have mimicry with birds and and, and we understand our dogs understand to sit when we say sit but that's just because we tell them to sit, like, and we train them. Like, it's just a sound. It's just mm-hmm. a, it's a response. Like, these things don't understand concepts. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, these things. But gremlins and mogwais alike under, have basic understanding of English. <laughs> like, you could talk to them, basically. Uh, well, and they get it. But they're, an- they're no one cares. <laughs> this would have been a scientific discovery. Like, Jesus, this thing, this thing under doesn't have opposable thumbs but it gets what i'm saying it knows what bright lights are i don't know you know so bananas you I'm know so there's, i love it there's only one thing you can say and it was the 80s that's it <laughs> i know this is a walking cartoon like yeah. big, this is this is a living cartoon yeah. <laughs> absolutely it's so fun um it's stuff like that and like you know and when billy uh before he's given Gizmo and mm-hmm. Billy's down in the kitchen with his mom and it's just the two of them. And then we get a better sense of, yeah, the bathroom buddy kind of sucks. And then we see like all the inventions in the home mm-hmm. and they kind of suck. Yeah. And then she, she's, she's watching TV while she's, you know, cooking and she's just sad and forlorn. And I never noticed that until this, this recent viewing for this episode, where she's sad and like I guess basically crying, and Billy notices like what what's wrong? And she's like, it's just it's a sad movie. But meanwhile, she's chopping up white onions like yeah. <laughs> she's watching It's a Wonderful Life, and and it's an ass load of onions. Like there's yeah. a ton of onions, <laughs> and it's just this weird little quirky joke that it, there's layers there and i i <laughs> i fell in love with the movie even more like i yeah. didn't i've never noticed that she's crying chopping onions but watching it's a wonderful life and it what's happening here this is this is great this is a great joke and i never ca- i never caught it that's i what a what a joy that was for me mm-hmm. this time around 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know, good movies uh, have stuff that you can catch on each viewing. You know. Yeah, it's something and, else, and you know, and something that I and I had noticed before, but never really thought about um, that when he, you know, they had trouble with the two inventions or whatever, and um, we were already established uh, Billy's dad. Um, like as this like sort of failed inventor salesman blah 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 but when they when he opens the door off screen and the sword falls off screen mm-hmm. they both light up with such a joy like they're so happy dad's home yeah um like without you know they have their frustration with his home inventions but that that doesn't detract from his character you know in their eyes it's just it's dad uh that's a, just a nice little moment where they both light up Mm -hmm. uh, without having to establish him you hear him and you see the reaction yeah um that's those little moments those sort of like perfect uh perfect things that help you understand these characters a little bit yeah um i think there's uh there's a couple things that i you know struggled with not just me there's there's other people that uh you know maybe it maybe it doesn't age so well but there's you know, the first thing is the when it came out, there was a group of the audience that felt duped, that felt like this the the violence in the movie was way too much. And you know, we talked about it earlier that that scene with the mother in the kitchen is is brutal, brutal. Yeah, yeah, I, I and I'm sure, yeah, in 1984 standards for sure is like, Abs- yeah, God, that's like, what I mean. You, you, you tricked me. Yeah, you tricked me here. Yeah, because yeah. they're luring you know kids and families into the movie, and then you throw a scene like that at them, and it's it's pushing yeah. it. Yeah, well, I mean, I was scared by I. I mean, I've seen the movie when I was a kid and watching the movie and having already seen it, it is scary. Like the the tension of uh, and the knives and the 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 thing get the thing getting killed in the mixer and it's bloody mm-hmm. and it's exploding in the microwave like yeah this shit's insane like <laughs> it's scary uh, yeah i get it i get i get the complaints yeah and then uh you know uh, is is the movie culturally ins- insensitive when you look at it from a 20 you know i guess a 2020 uh point of view you mean with the chinaman <laughs> yeah well not just yeah well, that's one of them oh wait what else <laughs> what am i missing there's, you know, there was a uh, complaints that there some of the gremlins who were chewing on fried chicken might be representing, you know, a potentially an African American audience and and talking down to them. Oh shit! Yeah, well, that was. I'll only, um, buy, I, I'll only wait, but oh, but what were they like imitating? Yeah, they felt like they black people. Right, right. Uh, wait, what? Wait, the fried chicken in the when they were mogwais? Uh, no, I think there's a bit later when they're when they're yeah when they're the um, you know when they've gone evil already. But they were they were gremlins or they were mogwai because Billy feeds them fried chicken after midnight and that's when they turn. No, I think it's it's after that. I think there's a sequence later on that um, is oh, more of the one I in question. It. Yeah. But it, uh, it might be I mean, when they're I've in. It, but... it might be when they're in the theater that they're doing it. Um, you know, a couple oh, okay. of them are. Yeah, so it's it's like uh, a quick shot. Yeah. Oh, 
so a well, little bit I, of controversy. I apologize for not noticing. Yeah, I apologize for not noticing it. I mean, I'm I'm sure I took it in, and uh, maybe in my cultural insensitivity, I didn't realize it was a imitation of, of uh, like a, an imitation of a stereotype or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, yeah, I missed that. Sorry. Uh, well, you're you're culturally insensitive. We all know that. So it's uh, true. You don't see do those they, kind of things. Do they? Did the characters like dress a certain way or something? No, I don't think I don't so. Know. It was it was a disputable claim. You know that was that was their opinion, and I don't think I disagree. I don't think it was anything intentional there, but um, because they ate a plate of fried chicken earlier in the movie as Mogwais, so I don't. That maybe that's why it. I, I pa- it passed over like I didn't mm-hmm. I don't know I'd have yeah. to watch it again I'll, I'll they're in the theater eating fried chicken I think I think that's where it is yeah gotcha well I mean there was the one <laughs> in the bar scene though of, uh, one of the, the gremlins you know flashes yeah uh, uh, Phoebe Cates and of course the gremlins are they don't they don't have they don't have anything to flash but it is that sort of thing. And like, I guess that's supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, yeah, that's not really, it's not, it shows their crudeness and sort of how shitty they are. But like, yeah, it's not really, I, you wouldn't do that joke today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's something, you know, there's something violent about flashing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So well, yeah, it's... not, not quite a, not quite something you would do today. That's yeah. probably another problematic thing. Yeah, well, um, it's uh, basically mysticism. assault. So, yeah, that that it, it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, by every definition, that it's assault. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you don't do that. So that's definitely not a thing uh, that you would you do. Um, yeah, the Chinese sort of mysticism mm-hmm. um, of the shop owner, um, kind of thing. A little little rough to deal with, you know. That mm-hmm. uh, for an ignorant white audience, maybe that would fly in the 80s and that was there was certainly that thing in hollywood uh of not understanding sort of chinese culture or chinese history and all that yeah if you were to like reboot gremlins from the ground up you wouldn't quite present it like that yeah or his shop is looks like a cave full of like artifacts that are yeah you know hundreds of years old like jesus christ uh i don't know what that is but um does this movie cross any lines along that? No, I think it's just ignorance and sort of, uh, you know, yeah, odd places, things, things that are of its time that mm-hmm. would be improved upon today, uh, based on a, a new understanding and sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the all of that combined, uh, when the, you know, movie comes out, it kind of, this is one of the movies that helped create the PG-13 rating on a, uh, on a Spielberg suggestion of making a new rating. So, you know, there's enough dark, edgy, violent, you know, material in this that regular PG was just not quite enough. Uh, so they, you know, of course the PG-13 rating didn't actually uh, its first its first use wasn't until I believe Red Dawn uh, right. that same year, but um, yeah, Gremlins was part of the discussion that uh, spawned that. 
Yeah, this and Temple of Doom, which came out in 84 as well, uh, which had some sort of horrifying sequences uh, <laughs> for younger viewing. Yeah. That you wouldn't necessarily attach to PG. Uh, yeah, this is a... Yeah, this one skirts the line. You know, the intensity of of these things. Pushing mm-hmm. the envelope. This is what happens in the 80s. <laughs> Push the, the envelope. Uh, and, and the... You know, final cut of the movie, you know, everyone's really happy. Studio's happy. The audience is loving it. Uh, Spielberg's happy. But there's one sequence that the studio put their foot down. Uh, Warner Brothers just did not want uh, Kate's speech about what happened to her dad in the movie. They wanted to cut it. And yeah, Spielberg didn't like the scene either, but, you know, he said it's Joe's movie and he was going to defer to Joe Dante and what he wanted, and yeah. and Dante kept it in. Um, I can understand that. It is very weird. Mm-hmm. It is weird. It doesn't really belong based on everything we know of Kate. <laughs> it is yeah. left-field bananas. Uh and thank God it stayed in. It, I, it's completely, it's exactly, it belongs now. But I can understand in the whole of the piece, doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, it's, I mean, but otherwise you take it away and what is her character even, why is she there? You know, she doesn't oh, yeah. do a lot else, yep. you know, but that gives her her big moment. That's true. I mean that that she's faced horrors before, mm-hmm. and uh, well, know, and also her. Y- Go ahead. They they set up in the beginning of that she hates Christmas, and if you don't have this speech, there's no payoff of that either. Yeah, well, because you'd have to cut that part of it. Like you'd have mm-hmm. to cut the big scene, and you'd have to cut that conversation. But you know their conflict about Christmas. They don't talk about anything else in that. So yeah, you she's this nothing character. So at least she has a stance. At least she has like a, a point of view, and uh, you find out why. Instead of her just being like the object of affection, and then you know helps Billy at the end, um, at the department store, and at the movie theater, she conveniently knows where the boiler room of a movie theater is. By yeah, the way. who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? Like, it's like behind the screen under the trap door. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> Thank God you were here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get that, and I, but it doesn't matter because it's a small town. Everyone knows where everything is. <laughs> well, and speaking of that, wouldn't you have thought that Billy would know what happened to her dad? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, but, small town. Well, that's like, true because it is a small town. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, oh, she would... here's a girl that I know that has a dad, and then suddenly that dad is gone. Yeah. You know, well, but like, did he know? But I mean, as small as it is, did he know her before they were in high school? I mean, who knows? Or, I mean, yeah, who, who knows? knows? Yeah, I would love a Gremlins prequel where it's just Billy and Kate hanging out. Well, you're gonna get that, uh, is it because that's being developed right now? But we'll come back to that. Uh, okay, let's talk a little box office. Should we, uh, should we talk about uh, where, where this uh, landed financially? The BO. Yeah, BO. Let me tell you, BO people were happy about Gremlins. Let me tell you, Gremlins did okay. It came out in the summer of '84. Yep, June eighth. Yep. Do you do you know what it opened against? It uh, also coming out that weekend. Well, 
I think the biggest movie of 84, Ghostbusters. That's true. It is the, well, is it the biggest movie of 84? It's it's either that or Temple of Doom. Mm. I've got a, well, yeah. Um, but the the well, if Beverly Hills Cop is to be content, oh yeah, Beverly Hills Cop, little, right? Yep, that made a little more money than Ghostbusters. Although Beverly Hills Cop came out in December and ran for weeks and weeks and weeks into the next year. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, Gremlins opened up against Ghostbusters uh, that week, and Ghostbusters eked it out. You know, with thirteen and a half million, Gremlins making twelve and a half. Um, yeah, and on a, and on like, an eleven. Like, on an eleven million dollar budget too, so boom, that's a good yeah. weekend. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, look what was also in the theater at the time. You could go January, June eighth, nineteen eighty four. You can go to the movies. You can go see Ghostbusters, Gremlins, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which came out in May, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, Splash, Firestarter, Romancing the Stone, <laughs> Breaking. <laughs> And even Police Academy was on its twelfth week. Wow! Like, this, the what the like? This is all the movies that this is all the movies. Yeah. Plus Sixteen the, Candles was 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 earlier in the year. Uh, is on its way out. Footloose that year as well. Uh, Police Academy. Uh, I just mentioned. I, th- there's so many movies. There's so many things here. What yeah. a, what a week! What a, imagine that, going to the movies with three bucks in your pocket. You could see anything. What a different time it was. Yeah, isn't that insane? That crazy? All these mainstream movies that—that's amazing. Maybe, we, maybe this summer we should look at uh, the summer of '84. Summer of '84, what a summer! Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, other things came out that summer. Um, where do you think uh, overall? So we said Beverly is kind of we mentioned Ghostbusters. We said we said these movies. Do you know where where Gremlins falls and sort of the total box office for? The all movies released in '84. I would say four or five. Yeah, four. Basically four. Beverly Hills Cop at two two hundred thirty million with Eddie Murphy. Ghostbusters just at two twenty nine. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom at one seventy nine. Gremlins is the only other movie, one of four movies making over a hundred million. Um, wow. Pu- pulling pulling in a total of one hundred forty eight. A movie set at Christmas, released in the summer, and and it left theaters before Thanksgiving, I think. So it was out of theaters before the season even was there. Not wow. Because, again, it's not really a Christmas movie, but oh. it's more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. <laughs> well, I mean, people loved this movie, and obviously it did very, very well. Um, yeah. Tons tons of marketing. We talked about it earlier you know, it was kind of everywhere. My favorite is the Gremlins breakfast cereal because, you know, oh, you've, yeah. you've really made it when you're on a, a breakfast cereal or you're on a high C container. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. High that C, was, ecto-cooler. Yeah. Mm. That was a measure of success. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a measure of success. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, that sounds like a great movie, but can we put it on a high C? <laughs> <laughs> can they have a cereal? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, wow, a lot of great other movies. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna mention any of the other movies in '84. 
just because we could talk about them in a retrospective. Yeah, future so, show. So we'll save that. Future but show. Um, no. did you? Uh, yeah. So do you still have any of your old Gremlins merchandise? I've got no merch. What was I mean, my last Gremlins merch? Uh, no, I don't have any. Because Gizmo, it's, it's Gizmo there. was everywhere. I had the stuffed, you know, the stuffed animal. I had erasers. I had stickers. Like they just, they really yeah. knew the marketing angle for this, and and all of it centered around. I don't remember any like figures of the other Gremlin, you know, the 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 like Stripe or anybody. It was just Gizmo. Yeah, I, th- I think you wanted to market the, the, the cuteness and all of that. And, uh, yeah, he was that. I, I think there was probably Stripe. I think I had stickers, and I think it was characters from the movie, and you had Billy, and you had Stripe, and uh, all that. But, you know, Gizmo is the center. He's yeah. the focal point of the whole thing. It's what you can sell. Um, he, I'm sure he was – Gizmo probably was – even had little suction cups on him so you can put them on your car window. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sure. Or, uh, without a doubt, because they were doing that with Garfield. Um, but, uh, I mean, what was this a movie you, like, watched a lot with your friends? Like, did you... Um, this, like, like, in no, those I mean, days? I think we would have, but none of my friends, no one, none of us had this. Like, I actually didn't own Gremlins till I was in college. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And then it was today. It was. Oh, yeah, of course I do. Um, watch it every Christmas. Uh, <laughs> it's more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. You're right. The the uh, you know, I, like, I think this movie was obviously very popular when it came out. But by, you know, by the early 90s, I think it had kind of it felt like it disappeared because I did not think about this movie at all up until I was in college. And then I was like, Oh yeah. Gremlins. That's right. Um, right. you know, it did have, it did end up having a sequel. Uh, they wanted Joe Dante. Well, they didn't want Joe Dante, but they Warner brothers what went into development on a sequel, like immediately and never could get anything going. So eventually, they were so desperate to just make Gremlins 2 that they told Joe Dante he could do whatever he wanted. No way. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's why Gremlins 2 is so, you know, bizarre. It's I mean, I think it's great. Nuts. Yeah, but <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. And that was all because he that's what he, he could do. He could get away with it. And uh, I remember, we, should, we need to do a whole show on Gremlins 2, but I remember seeing yeah, it in the theater I, and... Loving it, but I have not seen it since. Wow, really? Yeah, I would. I, I've seen Gremlins two since the theater. Probably I saw it in the theater, and I probably seen it. I'd say five times. Uh, wow, six times at least since. And I think the last time I watched it was a year and a half ago. Like, wow, nice. It was available, and I'm like, yeah, the new batch. Yes, gimme. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and then uh, now they're uh, they're developing. Uh, well, I mean, there's always ru- there's always rumors about Gremlins three, whether it's a reboot or uh, you know actual sequel. But they are also uh, developing. I think it's Netflix is developing a uh, animated prequel. Oh, that's right, the animated thing. That's yeah. right. I forgot that that was announced a long time ago. Yeah, sure. I don't know where that's at now. Um. And I know, you know, Zach Galligan has he his Twitter presence, he he 
he's been pushing and the nostalgia of it he really appreciates like his role in the movie and trying to find gremlins fans and like sort of polling people like yeah do you want to see more gremlins like i think you know he's a champion of it and um if we're in this nostalgia era where everything's sort of getting a reboot a soft sequel whatever um i wouldn't mind someone who's having a a reverential sort of uh, uh, take on Gremlins, like I, I'd be fine. Like I don't think Absolutely. you can ruin Gremlin. You can't ruin Gremlins for me. Like I'm gonna love this movie. I'm gonna love Gremlins too, which is so, like you said, it's so bizarre and it's so different from the original. But it hits it hits all the right notes i think like you can't say mm-hmm. gremlins 2 is like failure it's it's crazy it's yeah. great and it's no it's uh, oh, oh god if we do gremlins 2 like i'm already on board like yep yep <laughs> love it top of the show all right are we talking next... gremlins 2 yes i love this <laughs> maybe in 2020 we'll see we'll see baby and in the tw- on the 30 year anniversary maybe yeah oh perfect it's, it's, um, but there was a lot of, uh, you know, Gremlins ripoffs throughout the 80s, and some of which were okay and some weren't. But you had, you know, Critters was probably the most popular. You had Troll, you had Ghoulies, Munchies. There's a whole slew of them. So, yeah. Um, definitely had yeah. a big, big impact uh, that was felt for a while. And, and I don't know. I, you know, I, I think the movie holds up great. I had a really, I think I had a more fun time watching it now than I did, you know, any, any time in the, in the recent past. Yeah. I think there's something to this. I, I haven't seen the original gremlins in a while and watching again, I was just, boy, this, and it wasn't a, for me, it wasn't like a, a throwback or nostalgia thing. It was just sort of enjoying everything I'm seeing on screen. Um, for what it is, you know, whereas yeah. like if I say walk, if I watch back to the future again, for the umpteenth time i'm reliving being you know <laughs> six years old eight mm-hmm. years old watching it for the umpteenth time and uh although like this is this is, is sort of holds up as as it is and mm-hmm. it's fun for me today yeah uh yeah what a fun time yeah ah, uh, gr- ah, yeah let's let's watch it every day like come on <laughs> uh well you know it's uh, it's it's getting closer and closer to Christmas right now. Uh, you got any big Christmas Every plans? Minute. Yeah. Every minute ticks by. I'm getting closer to Christmas. Yeah. David's um, getting closer well, to Santa. I mean, my plans. Uh, I'm probably I'm probably gonna do that bank heist I've been talking about. You know, no one works on Christmas Day. I'm probably gonna break into the vault. And okay. Go for it. So this is Let's, it. I'm going. I I'm excited about it. Let us know if you find Judge Reinhold in there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> what about you? What are you doing for Christmas? Oh gosh. You know, I I like to have a small a small group of of fifty seven to a hundred and thirteen people over. It ranges. Um, we have okay. a big. You know, we we roast a pig. We we have uh, we cook. You know, we just cook a lot of meats, and uh, you know, I like yeah. to entertain. So I put my best Christmas sweater on, and I I croon like Sinatra for my my crowd, and uh, we have a great time. You do have a great singing voice. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know why you won't bless us on the podcast with it, but it's for you and your audience. And maybe uh, maybe down the road uh, when we had a, a big a big uh, anniversary episode, maybe I'll, I'll bust uh, out the uh, you know I'll I'll get the pipes going. Yeah. Uh, well, that's fair. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Real quick, so can I just say though? Yeah. Wait, listen, Gremlin, Gremlins. This movie is entirely shot on backlots and stages. By the way, yes, it, it is, is. It is the bat. It is. Uh, this is what Batman Returns also did. Like it's just on backlots. Like that. Uh, you know, most of the the main city is K- Kingston Falls or the main town. That's mm-hmm. uh, Universal backlots before it burned down where Marty McFly lived. Um, I feel like most most of the houses. I know Mrs. Deagle's house specifically is on the Warner Brothers lot. I feel like it's the neighborhood yeah. Warner Brothers. Yeah, there's the whole thing. They split. Um, they they basically split it between Universal and Warner Brothers. And it's perfect. And it's just. I and watching it again, I'm like, oh wow, the the snow is so fake. Like, but it's supposed to be so cold that it's mm-hmm. just everywhere. Um, you know, and the YMCA, like the YMCA entrance <laughs> where the. the the gremlins multiply and it's like it's a wooden it's just like a wooden door like it's just like it, it doesn't even look like a real like you know metal frame door that would probably be mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's a big wooden it's a big wooden door with a giant window in it like that he that they the gremlins broke into yeah um but the most impressive part probably technically speaking along the pup uh, the puppetry um, and the and the uh, claymation, I want to say, uh, where the crowd of gremlins like oh yeah the yeah city. Uh, yep, um, which was kind of cool. Like it, it, it gives that sort of otherworldly kind of uh, feel. But when they jump in the pool, or when Stripe jumps into the pool, and the the lights and the smoke and the yeah. fog <laughs> and I the love sound, that yeah, it was. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Like they really, I, I don't know where that pool is. But it is, uh, it looks really cool. Like, there's so many things about it that are just uh, uh, impressive for what they were doing. And, I mean, I don't know if that pool is, uh, it's, it's probably some pool on one of the stages somewhere. Probably. Um, and there's not much to it, you know. It's very, but it's it's an important part of the, the movie. Like, just imagine, like, yeah, they get wet and, they're like, they're going to multiply like crazy. There probably should have been even more gremlins than there were. Like, cause mm-hmm. how many gremlins can fit into a movie theater? <laughs> you know, or right. how many people can fit into a movie theater right. in a small town? You know, <laughs> like, so it's like it comes down to like it should have been like tens of thousands, and yeah, it's like two hundred die. <laughs> well, we I give but, them a pass for that. It, exactly. There's so many things that are just get that. They, uh, you just sort of roll with it like it doesn't really matter like it's mm-hmm. fine like the kids are on they're at school on christmas eve and leave at 3 30 and that and that's when the 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 scientist dies like that yeah. night on christmas eve he's working until 2 a.m like whatever this is what i'm doing uh the, billy's dad is at a inventor convention invention convention at on christmas eve like where why why would why would anyone plan that like no one would plan that <laughs> that's not you would not try to sell your invention on christmas eve um which had a cameo with steven spielberg if uh oh yeah we uh, forgot the cameos yeah 
cameo. Also, one of my favorite cameos, Chuck Jones is in the yep. bar. Yeah, when brilliant. Billy was driving, drawing the the back character. I don't know if the the drawing is a Chuck Jones original. I mean, maybe it is. I don't but, think uh, it is, but probably not. Yeah. But, uh, learning that years later, it's like Chuck Jones, like the guy who created th- using violence and zaniness together for Warner Brothers. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, this, like that's that's awesome. This is Chuck it's, Jones. Yeah. It's got Frank Welker. We got Howie Mandel as the voice. Yeah, of we Gizmo. didn't even say Howie Mandel as Gizmo. Yep, yeah, that was very early in his career. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, when I was a little kid, and when you're a little kid and you have a high voice, like mimicking Gizmo is awesome. Like it's mm-hmm. so easy to do, and uh, I I feel like I can still do Gizmo pretty well if I if I yeah. if I access that part. Um, I mean, uh, this was a this was a fun this was a fun movie, uh, and and so many uh, great talents are attached to it. Um, so it's fun to like revisit it uh, at this. Yeah, point. yep. Uh, I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it in a while, check it out. If you've never seen it, uh, we gave you some spoilers, but check it out anyway. It's a good time, and uh, we you know it's a great Christmas movie. Whether. Uh, you know whether it's the most Christmassy or not is up for debate, but uh, it, it, it's not. it's one to watch around <laughs> Christmas. So <laughs> it's one for the season for sure. Yeah, if you like thrills, chills, and horror. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm really glad to have uh, revisited Gremlins uh, this season in 2019. Yeah. Come on, in this economy. Gremlins is where it's at. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, Um, you know, it won't be 2019 for much longer. And we're going to be back in a couple of weeks uh, with uh, some some fresh episodes. And and we've got a cool lineup coming your way. So stay tuned. Want to say quick thank you to uh, Curtis Moore for doing our our artwork and and E.K. Wimmer for our theme song as usual. Uh, The. You know, we hope all of you have a great holiday season and the rest of Hanukkah. Enjoy your Christmas. Everyone have a great time with friends and family and uh, stay safe out there. Right. Right, David. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Is that what <laughs> ho, Frosty the ho, Snowman ho. would say? Yeah. What? And is Frosty the Snowman animated? Is that a Christmas movie or is that just a winter movie? Or it's winter a Christmas special? movie. It's like it's like a 22 minute uh winter special yeah well because also christmas the santa is santa in it no it's got a magician <laughs> it's got there's a magician with a evil rabbit i don't know is frost <clears throat> the snowman any good <laughs> like, i know what you're gonna be watching oh god all right <laughs> guys well <laughs> we're we're getting out of here we're gonna we're about to close the studio down for christmas break so uh we'll be Shut back in a down. couple of weeks uh david uh get the lights on your way out and uh, happy holidays, guys. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Proper care and feeding of a teenager. Number one rule. Don't let them drink alcohol. Rule number two, 
Never let them get into a car with a driver who has been drinking. Rule number three. Never, ever, under any circumstances, allow him to take illegal drugs. To grow up a happy, healthy teenager is important. If you love them, you'll take good care of them. If you drink, don't drive. A reminder from WVUE Channel 8.